Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cuneo. You guys, this morning when I was feeding my dog, he does this dance. He like is so excited. So I go to the gym in the morning and he knows like he doesn't get fed till after I get back home. And every time I feed him, he dances. And I'm like, if I left food out for him, he would be eating all day. Because he just gets so excited and he almost fell because he, I have like a wood floor and he like slid this morning. I was like, can't handle it. Can't handle it. Okay. Wow. Well, I've got a battle. I've got a, I've got a one-year-old Siamese cat that's feeding Glacier out of her feeding. What? What? How? Contraption that we got. Yeah. She gets up there and she eats and then Glacier goes in there and she sees Glacier. So she takes her cat food and drops it on the floor oh and Glacier's just sitting there. He gobbles one, one piece of cat food about four or five times. I go in there, got to break it up because I don't want Glacier eating a bunch of cat food. Right. And she's just sitting there watching Glacier gobble up the food. I mean, man. it's like they got a, they got a, they got a thing worked out. Hey man, feed me. All right. She is so, mischievous. It's, it's ridiculous. They're best friends. Yes. Well, She's a Siamese, so they've got attitude, so. Oh, sass. You I got feel some like sass from your yeah. cat. That's some kind of, like, training, right? Like, she's now trained Glacier that when she's eating to come so that she's not lonely, yeah, maybe. Glacier goes in there. She, she sees the cat eating. Glacier goes in there and sits. That's hilarious. So now Glacier is trained by a cat. They're a little, they're a little <laughs> duo there. It's funny, Christina, that you said if you left food out all day, your dog would just never stop eating. So my dog, Mila, who's a shorky, she's about five pounds. She just free feeds. So we just fill up her food when she needs more food and she just eats whenever. And oh my gosh. <laughs> she never overeats or anything like oh. that. And she's so funny. The vet told us, because we asked about this, what she'll do is she'll take like a little mouthful of food. And then she walks away and drops it and then eats it one piece at a time. Um, And she really only eats if we're there. But the vet said it's because she's a social eater, I guess, or something (laughs) like that. So she doesn't want to eat alone. So she'll like bring it into the room where we're at. And then she eats like one little piece at a time. But yeah, she eats whatever she wants. Crazy. Duke eats his food in literally like two seconds. (laughs) I need to become a social eater. (laughs) Save. I'm going to take after her. I will only eat so in the presence of other people. I got to ask, does Glacier then share her food with the cat? No, it's no it's just, just a one-way. Tenth of a second. Yeah, it's yeah. gone with Glacier. Labs eat very quickly, and no, she does not share. She doesn't share. Well, that's a really nice cat to yeah, share. It is. Oh, my goodness. Animals are so funny. They really do fill our lives. They do. All right. Well, today we have a very special guest who has recently received her leader dog, Hannah, and is a U.S. Army veteran who currently serves as Grand Valley State University's first military and veteran resource manager. Yes. Jill Hinton Wolf is a writer, entrepreneur, bookworm, and avid outdoors woman. In 2021, Jill was awarded the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency's Veteran Educational Advocate of the Year, and is currently a 2022 Myra Fellow. She started two companies, including Outdoor Book Club and Ghost Scavenger Hunts, and is a lifetime member of the American Legion, Veterans of Foreign Wars, and the Woman Veterans Alliance. Jill, I'm glad you're here. And first of all, thank you for your service. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Hey, everybody. Well, uh, I will say whenever somebody says thank you for your service, I always say it was my honor. It was 
at the time, sort of a whim. I always tell people I, I did it to tick off my parents, and we can get into that <laughs> later. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited to be here. Um, I don't know. I feel like the the bio kind of covered it. I um, I love reading. I love hiking. Um, which has been a challenge, both of those things with my vision loss. But um, kind of one of the cool things is that you 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 find new ways to do things that sometimes are even more fun um, than the original way. So that is always the takeaway here. Hopefully, is that people who are blind or visually impaired can do everything. It's just a different way sometimes. So thank you for starting us off with yes. that because I love impacting that. Yeah. So Jill, how did you, I guess, when did you lose your vision and how did you lose your vision? So I went to the optometrist in 2017. I was, I think I was 39 at the time and was just experiencing sort of like age related blurriness in my um, eyesight. And so I went to the optometrist and he said, well, your, your vision's actually 2020. It's pretty good. But I noticed some spots on the back of your retina. Maybe you should go see a retina specialist. And very long story short, it turns out that um, I have retinitis pigmentosa, which is sort of interesting. It's a genetic disease, and I have nobody in my family has this. So uh, I like to say I sort of lost the genetic lottery. It was totally came out of left field. I hadn't had really any vision loss at the time. And uh, so that was a, a big shock to the system. But um, yeah, I guess it was about a year ago, so in 2021, I was actually declared legally blind. I have about 12 degrees of central vision in one eye, 15 in another, so um, I still can pretend to be a sighted person pretty well, though pretty quickly, you know, I have to start explaining to people that I'm not actually drunk or <laughs> not getting enough sleep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's one of those things that we talk about a lot is, you know, visual conditions or visual disabilities aren't always so obvious, right? Especially in those beginning stages when you're not maybe carrying a cane or using a guide dog. If somebody just looked at you, they would have no idea that you're blind. So sometimes explaining those situations when you run in or to somebody or knock something over or yeah, wobble a little bit here and there can be really difficult to explain. Yeah. And I mean, I think that goes to show back to don't judge a book by its cover. You know, you never know what is going on with someone. So it's safer to ask sometimes. Absolutely. People ask me all the time if um, since I, I got Hannah at the end of February and um, they ask me if I'm training her and I have to kind of decide how much I want to get into it. Sometimes I'm just like, nope, she's mine. And other times I want to say, no, I'm I'm actually legally blind and and uh, she helps me. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a discussion everywhere. I mean, when you have a guide dog, everybody that has a guide dog knows it's, it's just like, I told you it was like walking around with Beyonce. So I have discussions <laughs> all the time. And, and she's a German shepherd too. So she's particularly people want to talk about her, or ask about her. So. And so do you mind telling us a little bit, you know, you were diagnosed. At what point did you start using a cane? Did you use a cane? What was that like for you? Um, yeah, so one of the cool things, uh, there's a lot of cool things about being a veteran, but it turns out when you're a blind veteran, like all, all sorts of resources open up to you. So when I got that official diagnosis of being legally blind, um, I went down to Battle Creek, which is where the big VA hospital in Michigan is, and worked with the visor team there. And I cannot say enough good stuff about that team. They have just been incredibly supportive um, you know, we don't often say a ton of good stuff about the VA. It can be sort of a difficult behemoth to sort of navigate, but the, the 
the visor team has been great. And in fact, the the VA is sort of on the cutting edge of visual rehabilitation. Um, there's a there's a lot of funding and resources that have been poured in since World War II to help support veterans who are visually impaired. So I went down there and they gave me everything I needed. Like they gave me like three different canes and um, supported me with all sorts of technology. And it was really, really hard for me to pick up a cane, mm-hmm. as I think it is for everybody. Like I thought it was the most humiliating, embarrassing I just didn't, you know, like I could still see. So there's always that question. Like, am I lying to people? Are they going to accuse me of, um, you know, not being blind enough? And so that was a very long, difficult process. But thankfully, most of it happened during COVID. So Mm. I could kind of get used to the idea and and do it in small spurts. And so I did my O&M training with the VA. And then um, they suggested that I apply for for a guide dog. So that's how that process worked. So how did you find Leader Dog and what made you decide to come to Leader Dog? The my my rep at the VA highly recommended uh Leader Dogs. They she had placed several vets with the program before, knew that they had a great reputation and I live in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is just on the other side of the mission. Uh, sorry, Mitten, uh, <laughs> from where you guys are located. <laughs> I actually went to high school in in Troy, so oh when I gosh. was um yeah, when I was training there, it was a little bit like, uh, it was like a little nostalgia driving around <laughs> to all the different places. I'm like, I think I remember this, um, these places, because I moved, I moved away from Troy right after I graduated. But, um, but yeah, and I just couldn't be like more thrilled with, with the program and the people in it have just been just a whole new community for me, which has been fantastic. That's awesome. And I'm so glad to hear you such had such great experiences with the VA. The VA does a lot of work and they super, super, super are great with uh, blindness and low vision and all the resources and training that they have. So I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm so glad that they recommended Leader Dog. Um, that's a huge honor. There are lots of uh, guide dog organizations, but it's nice when we have some local VAs that, that know Leader Dog um, personally. And that's that's so great. Um, thank you for sharing also your experience with kind of picking up the cane. You know, that's not easy. And we hear that all the time. It's kind of like you're exposing yourself. You're showing, you know, your disability. How was that different for you than when traveling with a guide dog versus a cane? Well, uh, I mean, like, just like I said, the celebrity, um, you know, part of it, people always want to talk to Hannah. And I, I work at a university. And so one of the reasons I did want to get the dog is because it felt like the dog was more approachable for students, especially I work with student veterans and a lot of them, um, you know, they, they come with a unique set of struggles often and I, I want to be as approachable as possible. And, and certainly they're very understanding of uh, disabilities and I've never had a problem with them, but it's, I think just the dog, it's easier to open up a conversation and start that. And then, you know, once we talk a little bit about, a lot of them have trained with German Shepherds uh, in the military or have had German Shepherds. And so once we start that conversation, it becomes a little bit easier to talk about. So what's, you know, what's going on in your current life? What do you, you know, what are you struggling with? What what can I help with? And um, so having the dog is great in that sense. And then of course, I just feel like completely confident walking anywhere with her. I've taken her out to San Francisco for business trips we were at a conference. It's Women Veterans Day was yesterday. So happy Women Veterans Day to anyone out there. Um, and was at a conference and she can just go anywhere. And I can, 
I just have a sense of confidence. I've always been a fairly confident person, but with Hannah by my side, I, I feel like I can just take on the world. That is so amazing to hear, Jill. And we've heard about students being on a college campus, but you work at a college campus. So what, I mean, that's got to be different for you because this is your day-to-day job. So what was it like first taking her to the college campus? Were you a little nervous that people would just kind of try and come up and pet her? Or what was that like? Uh, I was, and I shouldn't have worried because I would say the students, probably out of all the like, if I'm generalizing groups of people in my life are the best at ignoring her. It is, it seems like the the older the person gets, the harder they have, uh, (laughs) harder time they have ignoring her. Um, at the, I want to, sometimes when I go to the VFW, I, they want to feed her there, which is, I don't get that anywhere else. But, um, but I'll tell you what the big problem is, is that we have between my husband and I, we have four young men, uh, teenage, you know, sons. And so she sees them around the house and at dinner and we play together. But then when we go on campus, she's always looking to see if, if this next young guy walking up the path is, is her brother or somebody she knows. So, so we're working on that. We've, we've only been working together, what, three or four months now. And I know it takes about six months to a year for a team to really work well together. Um, but the, I think the faculty and staff have all been super supportive. I actually have a, there's another, um, guide dog on campus. Um, there's a professor over in the communications department that has RP as well. And so it's been very cool to, um, connect with her and, and we have that in common, which is great. Absolutely. And you guys are a new team, which is really exciting to hear that it's going so well and that things are off to a really great start. I am curious, can you tell us just a little bit more? What is your role at Grand Valley? What do you do? So I work with our military and um, I say our military connected students. So we have about 250 to 300 veterans or current service members. So they're in the National Guard or the reserves and they're going to school. And then we have another 400 dependents. So spouses and kids of veterans who through a special program are able to attend Grand Valley through their parents or spouse's GI Bill. So Mm. when they're coming in, it's often a huge transition um, to come out of the military and come to a college campus. It's a very different culture. It's a very different way of relating to people. Uh, A lot of veterans wouldn't admit this, but there's definitely some imposter syndrome. Like, I don't think that I belong here. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so I'm there to support them with programming on how to study how to you know apply for scholarships, how to navigate the VA and, and making sure your GI Bill is in place, how to um, connect with you know employers and, and internships and just basically run anything related to helping support military connected students. We have two veterans lounges, which is pretty cool. Um, and so those are spaces where veterans and their family members can kind of come and study and get free coffee and snacks. And, and so that's all part of what I do. Well, I hear you got a blog. Can you tell us a little bit more about your blog and how long you've been doing it? Sure. Well, it's more of a newsletter. I know some people probably don't uh, want to distinguish or, or know the difference, but it's it's an email newsletter. And I just really wanted to document the whole process of going to Leader Dogs and getting a guide dog because so many people have so many questions about it. And it's called um, All the Best People. And so I can make sure to give you guys a link if somebody wants to sign up for it. And it's, um, yeah, it was just kind of, I, I haven't sent out something in a while, though, 
though people are always asking me about it. So, <laughs> so I'll update it after this episode and talk about this. But it's, um, it's just kind of my journey with Hannah. I thought for sure that I was going to get a lab because most people that go through leader dogs gets a lab. And so it was a, it was, I had requested a German Shepherd knowing full well that it probably wasn't going to happen. And I had said as much, like, it would be cool to have a German Shepherd, but I don't need to have one. And so to get a German Shepherd was a big um, surprise. I was very happy about. So just kind of talking about all the people at Leader Dog, what it's like. I find so many of my friends too don't know how to be around the dog. And so I always, you know, have that conversation about um, when she's in her harness, she's in uniform, we like to say, like we're in the military. We don't want <laughs> You know, we don't talk to soldiers when they're doing their job. We don't talk to Hannah when she's in her uniform. Um, and they're just, I just find everybody is really open and curious and wants to know more. And, and of course, everyone just absolutely loves Hannah. Um, so the, the newsletter is just a way to kind of get the word out about what it's like to be legally blind and what it's like to have a guide dog. Yes. And Jill, you said this a little bit. You were expecting to get a lab because we don't have many German Shepherds typically that make it to be guide dogs. How come you wanted a German Shepherd? Why did you request that kind of dog? Well, it's funny that you say that because after I requested it, I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> one was because the kind of the military connection. Um, I thought my students might be able to better relate to that. And then I had a friend who um, he grew up with German Shepherds. And so when I told him that I was going to to leader dog, he's like, are you going to get a German Shepherd? I'm like, no, like they don't really have German Shepherds from what I understand. He's like, oh my God, they're the most amazing dogs. They're so wonderful. Uh, you, sh- you, have to, you have to ask for a German Shepherd. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I've never had German Shepherd. I always had golden retrievers and labs, you know, growing up and, um, you know, with, with my own kids. And so that's totally what I was expecting. Um, but I, I remember every time I would walk through the halls of leader dog, people would, would comment on her and say, Oh, here comes the unicorn. <laughs> and from what I understand, they're getting more of them, but it was funny. That is funny. Yeah. German shepherds. We honestly, we hardly even see them being trained. We just don't have a lot of them right now. Um, I know, you know, our breeding team and everybody's always working, um, as far as putting out the best dogs, and sometimes that's German Shepherds, sometimes it's Lab and Golden. So I'm so glad. And it sounds like you and Hannah are just the perfect match all around. It seems like a really good fit. Like you said, that connection with your veterans um, is really important. And it sounds like, Jill, the work that you do there is really incredible and that you're helping them kind of through all aspects. I had never really thought about that of, you know, being in the military and then coming back and kind of transitioning for one, just to what civilian life, I think is kind of the term, but also then going to a college campus, which is a whole nother kind of lifestyle, if you will. Um, was that a difficult transition for you? Is that something you experienced when you were uh, coming out of the the military? Did you go to college? Is that why you kind of got into this career? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I had graduated from high school in Troy and went to Grand Valley right after graduation. And I just felt like there was something more I was, I was called to do, there was more adventure out there for me. And so I, I, you know, I joined the army and I did three years. I was um, a non-Morse communications analyst, which is signals and intelligence, signals intelligence. But I actually didn't do that, that job when I was in through a series of sort of lucky events. I was a public affairs officer in San Antonio, Texas. And then I was, uh, I was a lifeguard in Korea. It worked <laughs> sort of an interesting way that that happened, but did three years. 
and then came back, um, and this was a million years ago. It was right between the two Gulf Wars. I was in between 95 and 98. So I came back to, to Grand Valley in 99, and everybody was younger than me. I had a toddler. I came back. I guess she was, I guess she was probably about one when, um, when I came back to school, and I, you know, it was just, I was so different from all the other students, and I wasn't really sure if that was for me. And I had a terrible time finding childcare. We were just broke. Um, I think veterans now have more resources. They get housing help uh, to, to pay for housing. But at the time I was going, they didn't have that. The, they didn't have the post 9-11 GI Bill. So that transition was hard. I was married and I had a baby, like I said. So it was, it was difficult, but, you know, I was really driven. And I will say that about my students that... Once they can kind of get their heads wrapped around that this is where they belong and that it, it will pay off, they have student veterans have some of the highest GPAs on campus. They take on some of the most difficult majors. They have the highest graduation rates. Like they're incredible students. Once they can get, like I said, their heads wrapped around that this is where they need to be and figure out what they need to do. And so I'm here to help shorten that that learning curve as much as possible and really just provide a community too. I mean, we all have communities. It's, I find it with Leader Dog, right? Where having other people that have shared your experience is so helpful in making you feel like like you're not alone and. We do that through Leader Dog, and I do it through, with my student veterans as well. That's absolutely amazing, Jill. I mean, your just whole journey, and you know, now giving back so much. And I love you said it earlier. You, when you thought about a German Shepherd, you thought it could relate to your students. When you were coming to get your own guide dog, we're thinking about your students, which. I mean, that's amazing. Is there anything else that, like, we haven't asked you? You want to share with us? I guess, you know, I'll say the same thing that, um, that I say to my students a lot and to, to your listeners and anybody else with a guide dog or that is going through this process or just starting the process is that I have the saying, if, if the bus doesn't stop at your station, it's not your bus. And there are times where we think, you know, our lives are going to go one way. And it doesn't turn out that, that way. And it's disappointing and it's upsetting and it's hard. But to really invest in the people around you and to seek out that support and to give back, right? It's always a give and take is one of the highest callings. And, and there is another bus coming along for you. You just have to make sure, you know, you're in the right place at the right time to take advantage of it. So um, I, I'm happy if anyone wants to reach out and connect. I always love to do collaborations and, and find projects and cool causes to support. So reach out. I'd, I'd love to talk with, with anyone who's interested in, in furthering the community. That is such a relatable quote, I think, to so many people in so many ways. Like I just heard that and I thought of so many different times in my life where I thought something was going to go one way and I thought my life was going to turn out one direction and then here I am doing nothing that I thought I would ever be doing, but loving it. So I love that quote. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably steal that from you, Jill. Yes, I feel the <laughs> exact <right> same way. <laughs> um, but I have to ask before we, we end, because you gave a little teaser earlier. What did you say? Something about why you joined the military, you did it to, to upset your parents. But I need to hear more about that little story. <laughs> Oh, so um, so I had come home from my first semester, freshman year at Grand Valley. It was Thanksgiving, and 
my parents sat me down before they went to go pick up my grandma from the airport and they said, <laughs> we're not going to pay for you to go back to school winter semester, which was like, you know, like a month and a half away unless you get a job. And I was very upset uh, and try, couldn't figure out what was going on and, and threw a huge fit about it. And so um, they... I, they stood strong and they they left to go pick up my grandma and as the garage door was coming down the phone rang and it was a recruiter and he said how would you like thirty thousand dollars for college and his timing was just oh my gosh wow that's <laughs> and, amazing yeah and I said you know what let's talk and it wasn't like that quick of a decision in fact and you know at the moment where I had to raise my right hand and pledged to defend the Constitution. Right before that, I was in the bathroom flipping a coin about whether I was going to do this oh or not. Gosh. And the, the <laughs> coin came up heads. And so I, I joined the Army for three years. And my parents, when I told them, were like, oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. You know, we <laughs> we forget about it. We, we will pay for school. Yeah. Like, do not do this. And I'm like, nope, nope. This is, this is what I want to do. I want to pay for college myself. I'm not really that into college at this point. So we'll... I'll, I'll probably come back. So they now will say it was probably one of the best decisions that I ever made. Yeah. And they, of course, fully supported. And But at the time, they weren't, they were really unsure about the whole thing. I can't believe you flipped <laughs> a coin to make this decision. Maybe I need to start doing that with my life choices. Like, I just, just start flipping coins. <laughs> I can't get over that timing of like, they, yeah. you, they drop this, you know, huge news to you. And then all of a sudden the phone rings and you're presented with this kind of opportunity. Had, had they not called Jill, would you have ever thought about joining the military? No, no. And in fact, I thought I was only going to go into the National Guard. Uh, I didn't think I was going to join active duty, um, but the recruiter was active duty. And, and, um, and I'll say like, as far as flipping the coin, like at the time I like was just really like, did not know what to do. And I remember standing in this sort of like lime green tiled military bathroom, you know, trying to decide whether I was going to do it or not. And I thought, you know, if I, if I stay in school and don't do this, I will be fine. And if I join, join the army and I do this for three years, I will also be fine. And so Let's leave it up to fate. So that's one of the more mature things I did at 19 years old. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If that also doesn't just, like, scream your quote about the bus and the stop, if it's not your, uh, if it doesn't stop at your stop, it's not your bus. I mean, right? Like, that could have gone so many different ways. That's incredible. Well, I'm so glad I asked that question because I will be thinking about that for the rest of the day. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Jill, for joining us today and for sharing your story, sharing your experience with Leader Dog, all of the amazing and tremendous work that you're doing with Grand Valley and for our veterans. Um, As Timothy mentioned, thank you for your service. Thank you to all veterans for the service and for keeping us safe here. So also thank you to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I am Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuneo and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoy learning about Jill's experience. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. Yes, and if you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.